You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. One and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show, and it is so wonderful to have you here with us. Well, I hope each and every one of you had a spooktacular Halloween and a wonderful uh, all Saints, All Souls, Day of the Dead, etc. Ad nauseum. I hope it was fantastic. I hope you accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish. Got everything done 
that you wanted to get done and had all the good times, fun, happiness, and joy that you could get at this time of year. Here on the home front, uh, we had a lovely Halloween and had trick-or-treaters again, uh, which is unusual at my house. My neighborhood uh, went gray, and uh, all of the kids that we had used to have uh, for trick-or-treating, we watched them go through being kids trick-or-treating, then teenagers trick-or-treating, then no trick-or-treaters, and now we've waited long enough that there are uh, trick-or-treaters again. And it was great fun for me to have them come back to my door. I, I was very, very happy about that. What else is up? Well, in case you've been living under a rock in a cave on Mars, uh, you are now five days, that's right, five days till the 8th. Oh, five days until the election. Dun, dun, dun. I promise that from now on I'll actually have the dump dump done uh, as a recorded piece and I'll and I'll play it rather than just doing it with my own voice. But yes, dun 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 the election is coming up. And throughout this electoral season I have had a few things to say uh here, there, everywhere, and uh, we've gotten in letters about the election. And some people have asked me this, that, and the other thing. So let's deal with these letters before we go to the news. So I have a number of letters here, and they're all asking the same question. And so I I hope everyone will excuse me that I do not go down the entire list of all the people that basically ask me the same question. I'm just going to answer the question. And the question is, Professor Porterfield, who are you voting for? Um, Okay, so obviously at one point, Professor Porterfield publicly came out in, you know, as a public figure uh, for Bernie Sanders. And, well, we all saw how that went anyway. Now the question is, who are you going to vote for? You know, look, here's the thing. What I want you to do is I want you to go and vote, okay? I I honestly do. I want you to go and vote. I want you to vote however you feel you need to vote. I want you to exercise your right. But when I'm asked a question like this, I have to stop and say, well, now – why am I being why am I being asked a question like that? <clears throat> I would hope that I'm not being asked a question like that to somehow swing someone's decision. In fact, I would be horrified. I would be absolutely horrified if someone was to say to me at any point in time, well, you know, I voted for I don't care who, sloppy Joe, it doesn't matter. I voted for whoever because 
Professor Porterfield endorsed them. Professor Porterfield said he was going to. I I would I would faint. I would and just fall down and need a fainting couch. The vapors, the vapors, because that that's not the reason you should you shouldn't vote for some because I said so. For God's sake, come on. Inevitably, people say to me, though, oh, but Professor Porterfield, you seem this, that. The other thing, I like hearing your opinions. I want to know your opinions. They're interesting to me. Okay. All right. Since you want to know, since my opinions are interesting to you, I will sum up this question this way. Certainly... No one has control over who endorses one, meaning some, you know, terrible, terrible people could endorse you or endorse your business or endorse something that you're a part of. Okay. And you could be absolutely flabbergasted. You'd be like, oh, my God, I don't want those people endorsing me. And the only option you have in a situation like that is to publicly denounce their endorsement. That's the only control you have, okay? That's the only control you have. Now, that being said, though, you have to stop and consider why certain people would endorse certain people, meaning – When a group or groups of people endorse something or someone, clearly something about it resonates with them. It would be lovely if you had a business that everybody loved. If everybody in the whole country said, you know, oh, it just resonates. Oh, it's wonderful. That's our thing. That would be great for you in terms of a business. But it's unlikely. Meaning what you do, what you say, and how you act – is what leads people to endorse you, whether you agree with them or not. Now, where is he going with this? What is he? I don't understand. You talk in circles, Professor Porterfield. Oh, okay. Okay. Here, here it is. Here's what it comes down to. Professor Porterfield encourages you in this voting season, because there's a lot of early voting still going on, and voting the main day is only in five days. Professor Porterfield encourages you to take a step back, take a deep breath, and see who the KKK and the neo-Nazi movement of America are officially endorsing and consider why. Now I hear you. Right about now, someone's going to say, well, this is all boondoggle. Well, this is a trick by the other side. Well, Saul Alinsky. Oh, my God, Saul Alinsky. Well, the Dixiecrats. Well, the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. And so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Okay, I understand. You sit and spin like a dreidel until blood comes out of your nose. But at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is the freaking KKK and the freaking neo-Nazis are endorsing a candidate for president of the United States. That candidate is not rushing, running as fast as they can get to the freaking nearest microphone and camera to say, no, 
no, I have nothing. Never. I, I, puh, puh, I spit. No, I would never, ever, ever. Okay? That candidate's just letting that the fuck slide. All right? So, maybe, just maybe, I'm still so old-fashioned as to believe that whatever the hell uh, a candidate for president of the United States of America is saying that resonates with the Ku Klux Klan and the American Nazi Party might be a bad thing. Just saying. Just just saying that might be a bad thing. Maybe color me funny. Anyway, I now stand with bated breath and clear anticipation of, of you, you can you can go to my Facebook now and post up all the reasons I'm wrong and, and just, just go in there and uh, Saul Alinsky and uh, the Dixiecrats. And uh, this, that, and the other thing. And you just you just tell me why, you know, either, no, they didn't really do that. Okay, rocks aren't rocks. And, or, I'm wrong. Hey, and I'm often wrong. And I would love to hear how I'm wrong, uh, considering I already kind of covered the whole thing about how you can't control who endorses you, but you can denounce their endorsement publicly. Um, so you just go ahead. And we're just going to let the madness roll along. And uh, on that note, uh, hey, uh, here's the news. <laughs> Good evening. This is the news read by Wink Winkerson. Today is Thursday, November 3rd, the 308th day of 2016. There are 48 days until winter begins and 58 days left in the year. The 4th through the 5th are auspicious days to bake, cut firewood, cut hair to increase growth, mow to increase growth, castrate farm animals, dig holes, wean children and animals, potty train, and wax floors. The third through the fifth are good days for planting peas, squash, corn, tomatoes, and other above-ground crops in southern Florida, Texas, and California. Today's highlight in history comes to us from November 3rd, 1957, when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik 2, the second man-made satellite, into orbit. On board was the dog, Laika, who was sacrificed in the experiment. Also on this date, in 1903, Panama proclaimed its independence from Colombia. In 1900, the first U.S. automobile show opened at New York's Madison Square Garden under the auspices of the Automobile Club of America. In 1911, the Chevrolet Motor Car Company was founded in Detroit by Louis Chevrolet and William C. Durant. The company was acquired later by General Motors in 1918. In 1936, President Franklin D. Roosevelt won a landslide election victory over Republican challenger Alfred M. Alf Landon. In 1960, the Meredith Wilson 
musical The Unthinkable Molly Brown opened on Broadway with Tammy Grimes in the title role. In 1964, Lyndon Baines Johnson, president at the time, soundly defeated Republican Barry Goldwater to win a White House term in his own right. In 1979, five Communist Worker Party members were killed in a clash with heavily armed Ku Klux Klan Klansmen and neo-Nazis during an anti-Klan protest in Greensboro, North Carolina. Our LMC birthday greetings go out today to actress Peggy McKay, who is 89. Actress Lois Smith is 86. Actress Monica Vitti, 85. Actor-dancer Ken Berry, 83. Actor Shadow Stevens, 70. Singer Lulu, 68. Comedian-actress Roseanne Barr, 64. Comedian Dennis Miller, 63. Singer Adam Ant, 62. Actor Dolph Lundgren, 59. Rock musician C.J. Pierce of Drowningpool, 44. And actress Julie Berman, 33. We also wish to spend since special... Birthday greetings out to AIR members Valentina Burton, whose birthday was on the 27th of October, and Susan Barnes, whose birthday was on the 1st of November. Our thought for today comes from Sylvia Constance Ashton Warner, New Zealander author and educator, born 1908, died 1984, who said, quote, You must be true to yourself. Strong enough to be true to yourself, brave enough to be strong enough to be true to yourself, wise enough to be brave enough to be strong enough to shape yourself from what you actually are. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me sing. Hey. Hey. hey, that's mommy, yeah. Jamming will open it. Put my trust in good for dust. Cause you know someday it may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, and you need not just trust in goo for dust, as advised by the Nicholas Brothers, because this and every week we have the lucky numbers and cards for you right here. This week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by there and take a look? And they are 12, 16, 32, 45, 50, and 52. Once again, those numbers are 12, 16, 32, 45, 50, and 52. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 263. That's 263. 4, 
444. That's 444. And 639. That's 639. And I will tell you that I got particularly auspicious signs on 263 for the coming seven days. The card of the week is the Four of Hearts, the marriage bed, romantic love, sex, and tenderness, fidelity, and the home. This is a week filled with love, gentleness, and the home. Take some time in the next seven days to put your house and home in order and spend time with those special to you. This is a very favorable week to rekindle a dwindling romance or to try to bring back together a relationship that has started to drift apart, as well as an excellent seven-day window in which to pop the question. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, (laughs) remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, well, this week we're going to be talking about the justified worker. So just don't get fretful. No need to end up with the justice blues.
Oh, yes. And at the gate. Wow. At the, at the, just right at the line, folks. Photo finish there. Photo finish. The, the brownie goes to uh, Catherine Ironwood. That was, in fact, Clarence Gatemouth Brown with Justice Blues. She got it in right on the line, folks. And it leads us to this week's pontification. I know some of you are going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about Miss Loretta? What about Miss Loretta? Where's cooking with Miss Loretta? She's coming on later in the show. She's, she's later on in the show now. She'll be here later. <laughs> later on, she'll be here. Moving on to the pontification, during these, you know, we've been doing the Now You Know show here for uh, more than two years and doing a lot of different sets of pontification that take up multiple weeks and months. And during this set of pontifications, we are taking questions from our listening audience. So if you have something you would like to ask about or hear discussed or a point you'd like to have brought up um, during the pontification, understanding, of course, that the pontification isn't actually so much, and it's not like, a, and then put tab A into slot B, and, and then if you can't, you know, chicken feathers on your own, store-bought are perfectly acceptable. If you have a, an actual topic, then you can send your topic in to profporterfield at gmail.com, and we will be happy to uh, read and discuss your topic on the professor's pontification throughout this period of pontifications. And you don't even have to give your name. I won't name you if you don't want to be named. And in fact, this week's pontification comes from just such a source. So, Let's get this here. Our letter says, and by the way, this week's letter was actually mailed to us. I received it at my business mail, and uh, and our, uh, our writer has lovely handwriting. And they say in their very kind letter where they discuss a number of other things about this part of the pontification, they said, uh, Professor Porterfield, I have been aware of you for a number of years as well as other workers, and I have been fascinated by the term justified worker. I have heard it from many different places, but it seems that I often hear it in association with you. Could you tell me more about what a justified worker is? What is justified work? How does one go about being a justified worker or doing justified work? Are there a set of rules? Are there a set of guidelines? How does one do this? Also, finally, an expression you have used a number of times in various posts, media, and online has often caught my ear. And I would like to understand what you mean when you say that what you desire is to, quote, enter your house justified. And this comes to us from Avid Fan. Well, thank you so much for the letter, Avid Fan. 
I appreciate it. It was lovely of you to send that in, and let's start talking about it. You have a lot of questions there, so we're going to try to just sort of put it together here. So let's talk first about a justified worker and the term and where we come from in using it. <clears throat> there are a number of different sort of headings, if you will, that you hear associated to workers. These headings describe them and their work in fairly short order. Often when you see a worker discussing themselves, they have a little they have a little write up, a little blurb. It's often a quick, tight paragraph that fits a good block of text so that this can go into a newspaper in the old days, so it can go into a handout, etc., and now so that it can appear on the internet somewhere. And it tells you something about them. And just like nowadays we have what what is it, 125? character limit uh, for all this tweeting and twittering and twittering. Well, you have to understand that in the old days when you were engaged in print, <clears throat> just like sending telegrams, print costs. Print costs. Print often cost by size, uh, meaning, well, what's the size of what you're going to print? A handout, a full page, is it going to be 8.5 by 11? Is it going to be 14 by 16? Is it going to be 8.5 by 14? Is it going to be poster size? What is it going to have? Is it going to be one color, three color? What is it going to be? And then for some services, it was how much of a block of text, how big a block of text. And so you wanted to fit that block of text with as much as you could. Just the same way when you were sending a telegram in the old days, you wanted to say the most using the fewest words because every word cost on the telegram. You all should be able to perfectly understand this because you're all Twitter mad. You're, you're Twitter pated. And in Twitter, you can only use 125 characters, and so you want to say the most, say the least. So there are terms that developed in and around every profession and all sorts of different things, and things that we don't necessarily think about nowadays. Now, those terms, again, are trying to tell you the most for the least. And so out of that, in this context of a hoodoo worker, a root worker, a conjure worker, we arrived at certain things. One of those would be specialist. It's a very simple, easy, quick word, specialist. Okay, And specialist is often followed by or has before it a singular word, love specialist, justice specialist, money specialist. Okay. Now, why would you say love specialist and not say relationship specialist? Well, relationship is a really big word. <laughs> it has many pieces of text, many, you know. Got to use a lot of little letters to make up the word relationship. Love, and love is cleaner, more immediate. So what is the specialist? The specialist would be your hoodoo equivalent of your gastroenterologist, of your ophthalmologist, of your whatever. It's a specialist. This is a person who specializes in one thing, a cardiac specialist. 
a gastroenterologist, a gastroenteral specialist, a this specialist or that specialist. In this case, it's a love specialist, you see. What does the hoodoo work that they do relate? Well, it's love. They love. Now, therefore, we can also assume from that, because love, that they may also do work relating to marriage. They may do work related to sex. They may do – they might even do peaceful homework. They might – they might, they might just do work that relates to fertility. All those things may fall under the line of love. A justice specialist is probably going to get justice, be involved with court case matters, be in love with police matters. A money specialist is obviously going to be involved with getting you money, <clears throat> probably may not be involved with necessarily gambling. That might be a gambling specialist. So that's one group of worker, the specialist. Okay, they're easy to understand. We have no problem getting that because that is how modern-day medicine and modern-day medical doctors, etc., work. These are people who are general practitioners. These are people who are specialized in one particular branch, field, or form of medicine or disease. Got it. Now, moving on. Then we have certain people who are often called certain names like they are lady-hearted or um, sanctified or church. You see these terms. The lady-hearted worker, all right, means this is an individual who has a set, a, a strong, standardized set of morals and ethics that preclude them from doing certain kinds of work. They won't touch certain kinds of work because it is their moral belief. It is often, often espoused or as a part of a religious doctrine that certain kinds of work in hoodoo, conjure, etc. are wrong. They're wrong. They're absolutely wrong, and they will not touch that work. They may not touch that work because it's wrong. It offends their senses. They may not touch that work because it is wrong. They believe that it's wrong for people to do it. They may not touch it because they don't believe that uh, the cost of it or the, that action is worthwhile. This is, again, not a karmic, cro karmic cross cost. Excuse me. Blah, 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 karmic cost. Karmic cost. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, but it is more that that simply should not be done. They are lady-hearted. They are generally also gentler souls, kinder people. They're not all women. And depending on what company you're in, you will either hear the term a lady-hearted worker or lady-hearted being a very neutral term, a very factual term. You'll hear it used as an absolute compliment, or you'll hear it used eh, a bit snidely, a bit, a bit of an insult. So now you have your lady-hearted worker. So now we have our specialist, and we have our lady-hearted worker. Then you have a person who's a general practitioner who has no boundaries, 
no moral or ethical boundaries against a particular form or type of work. This person takes, takes all, okay? And there is a bit of a range on this individual. Uh, one of them, at one end, we hear, uh, I, I do not judge, takes all clients. Do not judge, does not judge, takes all clients. All comers welcome. All right. Then we also, in that same position, a little bit further down the line, have what we might term a gun for hire. This is a person who, if the money is right, then the job will be done. All right. This is if you've got the money, honey, I've got the time. All right. And they will take all clients, all right, but for a variety of reasons. And it is inappropriate and incorrect to judge this worker under one heading and say, well, they're all money hungry, as an example of a judgment. Whereas some of them, certainly some of them are absolutely money hungry. They absolutely, if it's about money for them, and if you've got the money, they will do the work. That's the way it is. Now, here's an interesting thing that we do in our society. We say these people are bad because they'll do any work for money. And yet, we are a little more forgiving of other professions that will do the same thing, that that will take money. You know, if there's enough money, I'll do it. We also fail sometimes to do the uh, opposite kind of uh, judgment. Let me give you an example of a judgment we seem to somehow walk on by. It seems all right somehow in our society that there are medical doctors who will not do work because there's not enough money. I won't do the work. Why? Because it's morally wrong? No, 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 no. Because you don't have the money. I don't give a damn if you live or die. I don't give a shit if your kid has the eye falling out of their head. For me, it's about money, and therefore because you don't have the money, I won't do it. So we must be very careful when we approach this individual. The takes all clients, does not judge, gun for hire, whatever you want to call them. We have to be careful. We have to also understand that some of these individuals will take all types of work because within their, well, primarily religious model, there's methodology, there is modality whereby one may remove sin or misaction from oneself. In other words, they're saying, sure, I'll do all this work because then whatever, but then I know that I have to go clean myself up because I've got your work on me that I had to do. Uh, you know, you're cursing someone, killing someone, sickening someone, breaking up couples, stealing someone else's luck, etc. And then afterwards, I must go and cleanse myself. And often, the cost of that is into the price of your work. You understand? 
In other words, I must cleanse myself after doing your work, and therefore that's time and money. And so that cost is attached to the cost of the work that you're having me do for you. But not all of these people, again, are, you know, sort of skulking figures. You'd be surprised how many people fit into this area. Certainly, and finally, there is, without question, within this grouping, those individuals, which I have actually found to be the smallest number of individuals, who have absolutely no sense of a moral or ethical imperative, either from a religion, society, the law, what have you. They just, they'll do anything. They don't, they don't, they don't care. They take the money, but they're the smallest number. It's a tiny fraction, a very, very, very tiny fraction of them um, who are basically sociopathic, who are basically sociopathic. The biggest concern I have about this sort of worker is not that they may be sociopathic, morally or ethically empty, or money-hungry, or that they have the means to cleanse themselves from the actions that they're taking, and they're just going to let me, the client, sit and stew in it because, well, that's what I wanted, so good luck. They're like, you know, gins out of a bottle. The thing that worries me the most about this sort is this. When we deal with a class of people who say, I will do anything, and I can do anything, and all you need to have is money, and I have no limitations, and nothing is outside of the scope and reach of my hand and my arm, sometimes what you're hearing is someone say, I don't believe in any of this bullshit, and I'm just taking your money to do your fucking bullshit trip. Oh, boogie, 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 boogie. Come on, give me the money, sucker. Goodbye. Ha, 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 you fools. You have to understand that sometimes when someone has no limitation upon themselves and is welcome and ready to take on anything, anytime, anywhere for anyone, what you're actually seeing, not in every case, not in every case, but in some cases, what you're seeing is someone who's actually saying, I don't believe any of this to begin with, so why would I have a limit on it? That would just me be, that would just me be taking money out of my pocket. Now, then, before we move to our final group, now we have another group. You don't hear this one talked much about. This is a group that sits somewhere between what I've just discussed and the justified worker. This is the merchant. The merchant is in a unique position. The merchant is not necessarily a worker. It doesn't mean they're uninformed. It doesn't mean they don't make proper product. It means they're not necessarily taking on individual cases. They are selling supplies for workers and private individuals to be able to do the work that they need to do. Look, let's be 
completely realistic and grown up about this. We don't all have the time or means or ability to have or bring to ourselves every root, every flower, every stem, every leaf, every oil, every mineral, every zoological curio that that we need in our work. That is why there are individuals who compound, create, put together, process, gather, prepare these supplies for us. The merchant finds themselves often in an interesting position. They themselves may indeed have a very clear ethical and moral boundary. Let me give you an example. Many merchants in the hoodoo and conjure business, and hopefully more as time goes on, there are not enough. There are some who lack this, but there are a number who have this, have a ethos, an ethos about the environment, about over-harvesting endangered plants, about trading in uh, endangered animal parts, about creating substances that are harmful to the environment or that their creation process is harmful, etc. That is an ethos, without question. That same seller, though, may sell both blessing and damnation powder. Blessing and damnation oil. Blessing and damnation candles. So, in other words, a merchant can and hopefully does have some set of moral precepts, ethical precepts, and yet at the same time is creating product because there is a demand, there is a need, there is a need for that product. And they are not placing themselves in a position to judge their clientele. If you need a damnation candle, then you need a damnation candle. If you need cursing or hot-footing powder, then you need cursing and hot-footing powder. They're not putting themselves in as a moral judge and saying, I simply won't carry it. Nor, by carrying it, are they saying, I don't give a damn about anything, all that I care about is money. Obviously, again, there are some, but certainly not all by any extent. And that finally leads us to the justified worker. Here is the justified worker. The justified worker is often, not always, but often, also a general practitioner. They need not be. You could be a specialist and be a justified worker. Um, but often, the justified worker is a general practitioner, meaning they are not a specialist, although they may have a specialty. They do a variety of different kinds of work for different conditions. And the justified worker has a set of precepts, a set of beliefs, moral, ethical beliefs, that say certain actions are correct and allowed 
in certain circumstances. Not in all circumstances, but in certain circumstances. Now, here is a place where we start to get confusion and argument and a lot of this, that, and another thing. Bah, 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 bah. People start saying, well, that could be anything. Well, anybody could make up anything. Okay, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Well, what are they? Well, why is it valid? Well, I could just. Well, I could just. Well, I could just. Well, I could just. Well, I could just is not a good argument. I could just is not a way to relate to other freaking human beings. I could just is is just it's playing devil's advocate on everything all the time without any sort of decent intention towards being the devil's advocate. Well, I could just. Well, you could just anything. Well, you could just anything. You can make that argument about anything. And the idea here is that within the context of the culture, within the context and the framework of hoodoo, the justified worker is not a justifying worker. I think that's terribly important. Let me say it again. The justified worker is not a justifying worker. The justified worker is not calling themselves justified, I would hope, actually doing is justifying. Justifying meaning to find a reason, to make an excuse, to create a loophole, to not, you know, oh, well, you know, you, uh, you, pro- you probably shouldn't do that, but let's sit around and dream up a lot of good reasons why you should be allowed to do it. That's not what we're discussing here. I will say that I myself, as as avid fan wrote in, am in fact a justified worker. <clears throat> I, you know, that's pretty much where I've always had my feet. That's pretty much where I will always have my feet. And I must say to you that for me, part of the reason I'm a justified worker is because I'm a Jew. Does that mean that Jews are more justified than other groups? No. What it means is that the Jewish approach towards Ethics and towards morality is to have a complete understanding of a situation as best one can. You will find it difficult when you ask Jews, how do you feel about abortion? Because that's a, you know, the answer you're going to get is who's abortion under what circumstance? Pat answer, you see. There are circumstances in which a Abortion is completely allowed. There are circumstances in which another Jew will say, no, I don't think that's correct, etc., etc. For me, the attitude of a justified worker is that a justified worker is in many senses a circumstantial worker. What are the circumstances of it? I want you to kill somebody. Well, I'm not just going to kill somebody for a dollar. I want you to kill somebody under that's done this under these category under this da 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 if you have a belief that killing someone through magic is wrong period no matter what then boom that's the end of that i don't happen to have that belief nor does that mean suddenly that i'm saying it's perfectly all right to kill people 
There is a nuance. There is a subtlety. Now, again, this often gives rise to the argument of, well, I could just. Well, I could just. Well, I could just. Well, I could just. Well, of course you could. You could just anything whenever the hell you wanted, however the hell you wanted, under any circumstances. That's no reason to do this. You see, this attitude that we must engage, we must engage in a world of absolute black and white. We must engage in a system where there's no grace, there's no subtlety of approach, is just as bad as this very modern-day approach we have in which we say everything's gray, everybody, there is no good, there is no evil. Every, no, those both are ridiculous, the ridiculous extremes, the ridiculous extremes. So, but let's go back to what a justified worker is. A justified worker is a worker who is willing to do certain work should they believe that their client's case is justified. Well, what do you mean belief? Well, this would be a matter of a number of different things. First of all, and most immediate, is listening to the client listening to the actual facts, and then making an assessment of the client. Do you feel the client is lying or not? Hopefully, you're a spiritual worker. You're getting some sort of uh, a feel for when people are pulling uh, bullshit on you. Then often, the justified worker also will engage in divination and prayer to determine if the information is correct and if the circumstance is correct for the work to be done. There it is. That's what a justified worker does. The argument can be made that no justified worker is justified. But, again, that's a bit of an extremist attitude. One then says, okay, as Avid Fan wrote, uh, well, how does this all work? In other words, uh, anybody can say anything's justified. But again, and let me say this once again because I think it's terribly important, a justified worker is not a justifying worker. Okay, If you are acting from a justified position, you are not needing to engage in an excuse. Okay? Well, but if no, 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 no. It simply means that the set of moral and ethical precepts that you follow makes for allowances, circumstantial allowances. Well, nobody really does. That's bullshit. Nothing really has it. Come on, Professor Porterfield. There's no system like that in the world where blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, I give you the entirety of Judaism throughout. Well, that's the reason you can't trust those damn kikes. Oh, yeah, I just said that. You know why I just said that? I just said that because it's been said to me many times. You're right. People will say that. People love black and white situations. People love black and white situations. People love to engage in. That's the enemy. We're the heroes. Those are the bad guys. We're the good guys. We're the bad guys. They're the good. This is right. That's wrong. Every time, all the time, period. No woman should ever be allowed to have an abortion. I don't care if it means she'll die. I don't care if she was raped. 
I don't care if it's incest. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. At the other end, you have everything's equal. There's no good. There's no evil. There's no right. There's no wrong. Do whatever you want, however you want. When It's culturally wrong of us to judge people. How dare you say some action done by some other society, some other culture, some other group is wrong. You're just saying that because it's not you. If they want to eat babies, why, that's a beautiful part of their culture. Let them eat babies. I don't care if they eat babies. What these two extremes have in common is this. I don't care. They both have in common. I don't care. Right or wrong, I don't care. Let them do whatever they want. I'm right, and everything else that's not me is I don't care what the circumstances are. That's what they both have in common is I don't care. I don't care. You see it right now. It's happening all around you every day. I don't care if Donald Trump raped a little girl on the steps of his hotel under a because, Bubba, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if they drag somebody to death because I disagree. I don't care. I don't care if they burn a church down because it was just a thing that bought. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Great. You don't care. But that is not a path towards ethics. That is not a path towards morality. In fact, I believe that the very first, the very first step, the first ethic you should have is this, compassion. Compassion. Oh, so we should have compassion. If we should have compassion, then we should never do. We should let all the Nazis go because we're compassionate. Don't be an idiot. Everybody wants to take everything to its worst extreme as a hall pass. They don't have to be in class with the rest of us in life. So they get to just go out and do whatever, you know, smoke cigarettes out in the you know, restroom, whatever. You can make any intellectual argument against anything to get your way, and you are not justified by doing it. You are justifying. There is a difference. Finally, Avid Fan says, what does it mean to uh, – you often have said this – what does it mean to enter your house justified? Uh, well, what do I mean by entering my house justified? All right. Well, first of all, um, huh. have, go out at your very first opportunity and rent or get uh, – you can probably get it on Amazon and watch uh, yourself a little thing called Ride the High Country. Ride the High Country. It was made in 1962, and uh, that'll help you a little bit with what it means to enter my my house justified. But also, I will say that it also goes back to the book of Luke. In fact, it goes to Luke 18:14. I tell you, this man went. This man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. 
at the end of the day, to enter one's house justified is not much different than saying to be able to look at yourself in the mirror. That's a, probably the easy way for you to understand it. To be able to look at yourself in the mirror. To be able to enter your space, your house, and say, I was just in what I did. What I did was just. I was just in the doing of it. I acted correctly. I did what was correct. I did what was needed. My hand be tempted or my hand be stayed by what was wrong. I did what was correct, and I can live with myself for it. And at the end of the day, for me, I cannot speak for others, but for me, that's what it means to be a justified worker. That at the end of the day, when I hang up the phone with the clients, when the clients leave, when everything's said and done, I can look back on the day and know that I treated them right. I dealt with them correctly. I showed compassion where compassion was necessary. I showed strength where strength was necessary. I showed harshness where harshness was necessary. I did my best to guide, to aid, to heal, and sometimes to slap in the mouth, to put down, to stop, to drag away, that I both brought together and I broke apart that I both healed and I cursed, that I both aided and I put down, but that I did so in a way that was correct, that I did so towards justice and what was just, and that I may enter my house justified, that I may live with myself justly, that I may look at myself in the mirror and that I may be at peace with myself when I die.
to do, you know, just what we're trying to do here at the LMC Radio Network. Just send a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. The LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rook Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner with Candelo Cambisa and Michael Carell, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lefay, Fridays 6 to 7, and Liquid 
Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7, all-time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead, for that update of our shows here each and every week and on the grow. Eventually, it's just going to be, you know, like a a minute and 30 seconds of Troll not breathing. Uh, It's going to be amazing, folks. And speaking of voices that we like to hear here each and every week talking about things, ladies and gentlemen, your good friend and mine, Count Goulash. Oh, it is I, boys and girls, back from Halloween. Did you have a good Halloween? Excellent. And you know, I am here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Oh, yes, friends. Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. <laughs> oh, why, it's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. You can visit them in person. That's correct. Go. And take your children with you, because the children will love to see the fantastic and the wonderful train set. Amazing. This train set has been featured in magazines. And you will be able to stand there and watch the beautiful, intricate, and whimsical trains as they go around and around and around and around and around. And around, leading you deeper and deeper and deeper into hip sleep, into hypnotic sleep, until all you can hear is the sound of my voice speaking directly to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company on 6632 Cavi Road, Forestville, California. And after you've seen the trains, why not go and take a few moments of quiet prayer and meditation inside the world's smallest church. That's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church right there on the grounds of the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. And then afterwards, go inside and browse through the aisles at thousands and thousands of items from all over the world at the touch of your fingertips. Oh, yes, my friends. But if you cannot get there in person, do not be afraid because you can visit the Lucky Mojo Curio Company online at www.luckymojo.com. That's right, www 
blackymojo.com and spend hours in the privacy of your own home going through page after page after page looking at fantastic items that you can read about and order and have sent to your very door from why the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California and online at www.luckymojo.com Tell them Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> oh, man, how do you how do you do that? I mean, I just don't even know how. I, I, I don't know. How do you follow that? How do you follow that? Well, I'll tell you how we follow it here. We follow it with a little section we like to call Cooking with Miss Loretta. Fred, that's Count Goulash to you, said, 
why don't you see if there's something in the recipe book? And and he said it like that, too. At home, he sounds like that. He doesn't sound like, why don't you look in the recipe book and see if there's something? I would smack him if I had to listen to that all the time. Anyway, I went to the recipe book, and sure enough, I found a recipe. I tried it out, and it is excellent. And it comes from another Texas gal, which is the reason I guess I thought I could trust it. And this comes to us from Brianna Saucy, and it is her Texas Hot Foot Chili that appears on page 80 of Hoodoo Food, the best of the Conjure Cook-Off and Root Work Recipe Roundup. And I tried this, including her advice, and it worked like a charm. So, when you need to drive off an enemy and get them to leave you alone, this chili is excellent to use because it is both spice hot and stove hot. However, you want it to be inviting and tasty so that your target will eat it. And this is great to use at a church potluck or office function. And you just leave it out anonymously so that the person you're working on doesn't know that you're the one that has brought it. And then they eat it and, you know, get the action on them. And in fact, that's just what I did. We had a potluck at my church this this Sunday, and I made this. I made two dishes. I made one dish that had my name on it, and then I also brought this chili. And I'm going to give you an extra piece of advice. If you're going to make this for a potluck at your church, office, or your club, or uh, the VFW, or something like that, excuse me, so that your target will eat it, go out. Go out to Target or Walmart or wherever and buy yourself a brand new bowl that is not associated with you. Because if you do these things like I do, church potlucks and whatnot, people get to know what bowl is yours. And so you cannot do it anonymously just by not putting your name on a piece of tape on it because everybody will know that's your bowl. So buy you a new bowl and just put it out and don't take it home. See, that's the idea. Then no one will know that it's yours. So for this recipe, you will need the following ingredients. And we're going to try to do this. Uh, They said they're going to be pasting it. And so I'm going to try to go along with them. You will need two pounds of grass-fed ground beef. This is for substance. One jalapeno pepper, seeded and diced, to, to drive away your enemies. One serrano pepper, seeded and diced, also to drive away enemies. Most of these things are going to be to drive away enemies, as you can imagine. You will then need one poblano pepper seeded and diced to drive away enemies. Two cans of green chilies. They should be the four-ounce cans. 
and chili powder taste. All of this to help drive away your enemy. Then also for this, you will need one yellow onion diced, and that's for luck. Two cloves of garlic minced, and that's for protection. And I got to tell y'all, honestly, I did use more garlic because I'm a big garlic fan. But use at least two. Four cans of Rotel diced tomatoes with green chilies. And this is for female protection. Turmeric powder to taste. This is for health and protection. And cayenne powder to taste to drive away your enemies. And a pinch of black mustard seed. And this is for protection as well. Then also what you will need is black ground pepper for taste. You know, just you've got to taste while you work. As you're cooking, you cannot cook something and enjoy it and not taste it. And you have to understand that flavor will change as you taste so don't overspice. So black ground pepper to taste, teen whole black peppercorns for protection. They're not very big, and in a big pot of chili like this, it's not going to be a big problem. And then a pinch of salt for protection. Miss Bree advises us to set our stove to medium high and to saute peppers, onion, and garlic in a spat splash of olive oil until the peppers are soft and our onions are clear. I like to do this in the same pot that I'm going to be making the whole pot of chili in rather than rather than dirtying up a lot of pots and pans. I don't like to do that. I prefer just to do it all at once and then I have it ready to serve my family. What? Okay, I'm sorry. They're telling me I'm going too fast. I don't know how I'm going too fast. Everybody says I talk. I don't. I don't talk that fast. <laughs> but apparently, I talk too fast for some people. Anyway, then you will add your ground beef and cook until half done. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that your beef will not be completely cooked all the way through. It will still be a little red here or there, and you won't have it all the way done. Otherwise, if you do it too soon, then you won't to add your spices as you need. Once your beef is half done, add your chili powder, spices, tomato, and salt. Bring them to a boil and then reduce your heat to low. Stir this pot counterclockwise. And all the time you're stirring your pot, stir counterclockwise. As you do this, call out the names of those you want to hot foot and tell them to get the hell away from you, to get out of your life, and to get out of your business. And you just stir and call out to them while you're doing this. All the time. This is where you're actually letting them know what to do. So that this is this is going 
how you need it to go. I'm so sorry, folks. They're whispering at me in the background. I'm going to hit them all. Anyway, (laughs) serve this with hot, with cornbread. And that cornbread should have been spiked with just a dash, just a little dash, not per piece, but in the whole mix of cayenne pepper and green chilies. And you serve this up again in a setting where your target will eat it without knowing that you have been the one to feed it to them. And this will help drive them away from you and your life. I have tried it out myself. I've had good response so far. And I have to tell you, it's a wonderful recipe just on its own, and it's a very good recipe as we're slowly starting to get into autumn and starting to have that colder weather. So there you go, folks. This has been Cooking with Miss Loretta, and for the next few weeks, we're cooking out of Hoodoo Food, the best of the Conjure Cook-Off and Root Work Recipe Roundup, served with love by the Ladies Auxiliary of the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, who I'm hoping to join very soon. Until later, bye-bye. Whew! That's, I mean, that's hot chili. I mean, wow! That's, and no masa, no masa. No, no corn, no, no cornstarch in that. That's, whoo, that would be hot, 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 hot. Well, now that we've spoken with Miss Loretta, we're going to stay a while here in the kitchen, where tonight we're going to continue our discussion about personal concerns. This week, hair. She asked me why. I'm just a hairy guy I'm hairy noon and night Hair that's a fry I'm hairy high and low Don't ask me why Don't know It's not for lack of grace Like the grateful day Give me the head with hair, long beautiful hair, shining, beaming, steaming, slicing, waxing. Give me down to there, hair, shoulder length longer. Here, baby, there, mama, everywhere, daddy, daddy, hair. A home for bees, a hive for the buzzing bees, a nest for birds. There ain't no words for the beauty, the splendor, the wonder of my hair. Show it, show it, long as God can hold it, my hair. I want it long, straight, curly, fuzzy, snaggy, shaggy, ratty, matty, oily, greasy, sleepy, shiny, gleaming, steaming, waxing.
the hair out of the comb, out of the brush, and use it against you. Because hair is often and easily used to hurt you. Not only by people, but supposedly by natural animals. If you throw your hair combings outside in a casual manner, birds will pick it up to use to make and line their nests. And it's said that if you have your hair taken by a bird who uses it as a part of their nest, you'll come down with headaches, migraines, and it may even cause you to run crazy, to go insane, to go out of your mind. So we're told constantly, don't let people get a hold of your hair. And you will find that it's actually very easy to get a hold of somebody's hair from the bathroom, through casual contact, from a lover, off a pillow, etc., etc., etc. What can you use hair for? Ah, there are quite a lot of uses for hair. Let's start by saying this. Obviously, if you're going to make a baby doll of someone and you have some of their hair, it is excellent to use that hair either inside the doll, in this case inside the head of the doll, or to attach it to the outside of the doll to its head, right? Because that's where the hair is. This is part of making the doll have the connection, the baby doll, have the connection to the individual. Not only are you naming and baptizing the doll in their name, but also it has their personal concerns. And you would attach personal concerns wherever possible to the doll where they come from. In other words, you're going to put the fingernail clippings on the little arms or inside near the hands, toenail clippings near the feet, etc., etc., etc. So you would want to take hair and put it inside the head or on the head. You can use hair to drive someone insane, as we just discussed. To do this, you get a hair or hairs from your enemy's head and write out on a piece of paper their name nine times. You put these two things, the hair and the name paper with their name written on it nine times, into a bottle with the juice of a lemon. You shake up the bottle. And as you say a curse, you curse them, and then set the bottle upside down along the eastern side. This is the sunrise side, the side, the eastern side of their house. As the sun goes from east to west, the person's mind will be soured and carried down towards the sunset, which will cause them to experience depression. Uh, insanity, uh, poor mood, uh, to be uh, malcontent with life. So there's one thing you can do with hair. But we also talked about getting a lover's hair off a pillow or pillowcase. Well, what can you do with that? You could stop a partner from running around. Get your lover's hair and put it in one of his or her socks, and I would advise the left sock, and use three tacks to fix the sock under your bed. So you're tacking this sock with three tacks under the bed. Inside the sock is your lover's hair. 
The top end of the sock should point to the head of the bed, and the toe end of the sock should point to the foot of the bed. If possible, you should also turn the sock in such a way that the toe itself points away from the bedroom door and towards an inside wall. And this will keep your partner from running around on you with another individual and other people and will keep bringing them back, will return them to the bed, that bed again and again and again, as long as you keep that, uh, you keep that, uh, that, that sock with the hair in it tacked up underneath the bed. That one takes a little more work. You know, you're going to be underneath the bed. You've got to, you know, try to figure things out how to place it all correctly. You can also use hair to keep your mate at home. Here's a similar spell. You get your spouse's hair, tie, hair band, or hat bow, okay, from a hair, from a hat, etc., and tuck three of your own pubic hairs in it. Dress it with stay with me oil and carefully hide it above the front door where your partner will walk under it and they will want to return home to you. So you see, hair is not just head hair. Hair is also body hair, pubic hair, underarm hair, etc. But when we talk about the mind... We often are talking about head hair, particularly the mold of the head. If you want to run an enemy off, you can get hair from the mold of your enemy's head and wrap it in red flannel or put it in a small bottle and throw it into running water. And this will send the person wandering away from you. If you add red pepper, you can give them a lifetime of headaches or even, again, drive them crazy. So... Again, we're talking about associations here. Finally, you can also bring an angry man home. If your man has fought with you and walked out in anger, put a hair from his head and a hair from his armpit and a hair from his pubic area, his pubic hair, down in all three of these, down into the toe of one of his socks. Roll the sock up very tightly towards you, and as you do, wish aloud for him to come back home, and he soon will return, and you can reconcile. And for that, I could tell you that you could use either the left or the right sock. If you're trying to do an action where you're trying to command him more, you know, it's more of a commandment, you will, you must, I, you have, I have power over you and you must, then you would want to favor the right sock. If you're trying to call him home out of love, a sense of love and devotion and emotion, then you would probably want to use the left-hand sock. So there are just a few examples of hair, and in that we saw body hair, underarm hair, and pubic hair all being used 
to drive people away, to bring people back, to keep people at home, to create fidelity, to cause insanity. So you see, there's a lot of different stuff here. And I would advise you this week to go out and consider hair. I am not kidding. Consider hair. Consider how much of it you shed and where you are leaving it behind and what of you people are able to get a hold of. We think of ourselves as being very self-contained, very self-contained. We're leaving nothing behind. But I assure you, you're leaving bits and pieces of yourself everywhere you go. So this week, think about hair. Our information for the In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but also from the very excellent book, Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her greatly for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, folks, I will be back with you on November the 10th. That's right, two days after the election, one day after the announcement, and the inevitable, what, 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 what do you think? Do you think there shall be burning in the street? Do you think, that, do you think the revolution will be televised? Hmm. Well, perhaps it'll just be live-tweeted. Perhaps the revolution will be live-tweeted. But no matter how it goes down, I'll be back here on Thursday the 10th. And hopefully you'll be here, and hopefully there'll be electricity and radio and such amazing things as there were before, and we'll play Old Lang Syne. I don't know. But until then, take a little bit of time this week to consider if you are justified in your actions, no matter what your ethical or moral system is. Are you being true to it? Are you being true to yourself? Are you being true to others? Have yourself some nice hot chili. Boy, that was hot. Uh, And consider hair. We'll be back next week. At this point in time, uh, well, our own Miss Loretta and Count Goulash have wandered off hand in hand. Such a cute couple. And uh, Johnny wasn't even in today. He had another rescue cat thing to go to. And uh, we wish him and all the rescue cats that he helps to be well. That's it. Just me here by myself. Just, this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, It is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And go to Texas Cattle And don't back to Fool West Come on down to Dallas to call the kitty Coming through the territory in Kansas City And Kansas City, St. Louis And St. Louis, Chicago I'm on my way to the door Hello. Oh.
Radio Network. Bless their hearts. 